the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today's news, God's Word, and your thoughts. This is Bob Bernie Live. Welcome back to Barbara Live and the Don Crow Show. As uh, we move past the bottom of the hour, welcome to our listeners in Washington, D.C. on 105.1 FM WAVA. And our listeners in Columbus, Ohio, listening on the word AM 880 and 104.5 FM. Thank you for joining me. Uh, today, today is one of those days... I could do I could do a six hour program today. I'm not kidding. I've got that many stories that I want to share with you. Some good, some uplifting, some outrageous, like the one I just read you. Who would Jesus cut from Medicaid? Give me a break. Uh, then there's this one. I wanted to make sure I worked this in. It's just it's just a really a cool story. I love Bible archaeology. Uh, I've never even thought about putting together a bucket list. I've, uh, I've, I've been a, if I did put together a bucket list, I've already done many, many, many of the things that I would have put on the list. Uh, but you know, again, I've, I've never sat down. I've never even thought about a bucket list. But if I did, probably one of them would be to do be a part of an archaeological dig in Israel. That would just be so cool. That would just be so much fun. Uh, I don't believe it'll ever happen, and that's okay. That's all right. I've been in Israel three times. But I am fascinated by biblical archaeology primarily for this reason. And those of you who have trouble trusting the Bible or you have friends or family members— that have trouble trusting the Bible? I want you to think about this. If we look at the modern era of biblical archaeology, let's just say Israeli archaeology, archaeology in the Holy Land, in Israel, the modern era probably, oh, let's say, a hundred years. Well, actually, we'd have to go back probably 150 years, Okay. In that period of time, the last 150 years, there have been literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of individual discoveries. I mean, possibly millions. Possibly. I know it's hundreds of thousands in 150 years. Sometimes in one archaeological dig, they will find 10 or 15,000 different fragments of this, fragments of that. Anyway, hundreds of thousands of individual discoveries over the last 150 years. Not all of them relate to stories, events, places, people in the Bible. 
Not all of them, but many of them do. All right, where am I headed? There has not been one single discovery that contradicts even one thing in the Bible. Not one. There is not one single discovery, archaeological discovery, where the experts say, oh, well, that's too bad. The Bible said it happened this way, but mm, now we have archaeological evidence that that's not the way it happened, or that's not where it was. Never. Not once. Instead, there have been thousands and thousands of discoveries that validate this person, this site, this location, this battle, this incident. Thousands of them have validated different portions of the Bible. Now, no single discovery has certainly proven that all of the Bible is correct. I'd be foolish to to, to say that or, or to even believe that, that one discovery would, well, we discovered that, so that means the whole Bible is true. No. But, it's in the way I explain it, it's like a massive puzzle. You know, and you don't know exactly what the puzzle looks like, and you, you know, you look at uh, two pieces. We have no idea what the puzzle's about. And then you get three pieces and four pieces, and Let's say it's a gigantic puzzle. It's a thousand pieces. And you get up to uh, 200 pieces. Hmm. Now you're finding some matches. Now you're finding uh, this piece fits this piece. Oh, my goodness. There's some blue there. Oh, over here, there's a little bit of red. Okay. Now we're seeing brown. Hey, down here is green. Maybe there's grass down there. I don't know. And up here in the upper right-hand corner, there's some blue pieces. I wonder if there's sky. And then you get 300 pieces and four and 500 and 600 and 700. By the time you probably got 800 pieces, you got a pretty good idea of what the picture is. And then when you got 900, man, you're almost there. And then when you get 1,000, you know exactly what the picture is. Well, these archaeological discoveries, for me, are like pieces of the puzzle. Here's a piece here. Here's a piece there. You know, two or three of these, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it validates this part of the Bible, but it doesn't prove that the rest of the Bible is true. But when you look at 150 years of Israeli Holy Land archaeology. And now you've got thousands of pieces, and not one of them contradict anything in the Bible. I think it becomes more and more difficult to be a skeptic. You know, let's, let's go back to the puzzle. And you got, uh, you got a thousand-piece puzzle, and you got 400 pieces. And you are convinced because you looked at the box. You're convinced because you looked at the box that it's uh, three cows in a pasture with a cloudy blue sky. And so you tell someone, you know what? We've only got 400 pieces there. We're not even uh, half done. But you know what I think? I think there are three cows in a pasture uh, with a cloudy blue sky. 
And somebody else looks at that puzzle and says, I don't see any cows. How can you come up with that? It's not three cows. Are you kidding me? No, I think it's, and they come up with their little theory about what it is. And then you start putting more and more and more pieces together. Now, you already know. You're putting more and more of the pieces together. If it's a thousand-piece puzzle and you got about 800 pieces together, it is really, really tough for that other person to now deny what you said it was. Really tough. The more archaeological discoveries we make, the more difficult it is for skeptics to say, nah, it's just a book. I went through all of that because of this headline today. Steps where Jesus walked and healed a blind man unearthed for the first time in 2,000 years. If you follow biblical archaeology at all, you know about this. It's the Pool of Siloam where Jesus healed the blind man. Now, archaeologists in Israel have known where the location was for a long time. But just recently, they have uncovered more of the Pool of Siloam than they ever thought was there. This is from the uh, one of the experts at the dig. The ongoing excavation within the city of David, the historic site of biblical Jerusalem, particularly the Pool of Siloam and the Pilgrimage Road, serves as one of the greatest affirmations of that heritage and the millennia-old bond Jews and Christians have had with Jerusalem. Quote, It is now not a simple matter of faith, but it is a matter of fact. Now again, they've known where the Pool of Siloam was, and there was a tiny bit of it exposed. But just in recent months, so much more has been exposed, and... Uh, uh, they're not sure when this is going to be open to the public. You can get into part of it right now. But within the next 12 months, evidently an enormous amount of the biblical pool of Siloam will be open to visitors. Once again, just another piece in the puzzle. wants to come to your church. Find out how to host a CrossPower weekend at crosspower.net. I um uh, I know at times I'm very repetitious, but um here's something I say all the time. Unintended consequences from misplaced compassion. Misplaced compassion, unintended consequences. The good people of Oregon a couple of years ago passed a state law decriminalizing all drugs in the state, even the hard ones. Fentanyl, heroin, didn't make any difference. No more punishment, all legal. And the reasoning 
They were told by the liberal left, this is the compassionate thing to do. We can't continue throwing drug addicts in jail. We can't keep prosecuting them. They can't help it. And by the way, if it's no longer illegal, people will probably just stop taking it. They'll lose interest in it if it's legal. And so the state of Oregon overwhelmingly passed this piece of legislation. And the major cities in Oregon got on board and passed local ordinances saying, yeah, doing drugs is okay with us. Sure it is. If it's good with the state, it's good with us. Well, Portland is one of the more liberal cities in Oregon, and it's one of the more liberal left-wing cities in America. So two years ago, the city of Portland, under the leadership of Mayor Ted Wheeler, remember Mayor Ted Wheeler? Remember his name with all the riots, the BLM riots and all that? Okay, you probably remember him. Well, Ted Wheeler was all over this thing of, we got to decriminalize drugs. Well, how did it work out? Misplaced compassion, unintended consequences. It is not compassionate to tell people, hey, if you want to take drugs, go right ahead. That's not compassionate. It's no more compassionate than a parent telling a child, you'll never have to eat vegetables again. You can have candy for every meal. That's not compassionate. Well, anyway, how did it work out? Well, here is the headline today. Portland City Council approves emergency ordinance banning public hard drug use. Hmm. Um, It didn't work out very well. I'm quoting. To send a message to residents and state lawmakers amid a spiraling drug crisis. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought the compassionate thing to do was to take away the illegality of the drugs. The stigma associated with drug addiction. Hmm. To send a message to residents and state lawmakers amid a spiraling drug crisis and rampant homelessness. Yeah, who could have seen that coming? The city council in Portland, Oregon, voted unanimously this week to approve an emergency ordinance banning the use of hard drugs in public. The emergency ordinance amends the city code that already prohibits the open consumption of alcohol and marijuana in places like public parks on sidewalks to also include hard drugs like heroin, fentanyl, and methamphetamines. Yeah. So city council voted unanimously. We got to do something about these drugs. It's getting out of hand. We're we're going to make it illegal. Whoa, 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 whoa! You were the same people who said that making it illegal. Yeah, okay. But get this, get this. Let me continue in the story. The vote was mostly symbolic because of Measure One Ten, 
the ballot initiative approved by voters in 2020 that decriminalized user amounts of street drugs like heroin, fentanyl, and methamphetamines, and forbids local governments from regulating their use. So now the city of Portland, who was all for this, is now going to violate state law by prosecuting hard drug users who use drugs out in the public. (laughs) Oh my goodness, you can't make this stuff up. Mayor Ted Wheeler floated a similar crackdown on public use of hard drugs over the summer. But then he backed down. And then he said this. Again, this is the uber-leftist Mayor Ted Wheeler. Quote, The last time I saw someone consuming what I believe to be fentanyl publicly on our streets was less than five minutes ago, three blocks from City Hall. This is a significant issue. So, If you read the rest of the story, why did the city of Portland change course? Because the residents of Portland began saying, do something! You've got to do something! Yeah. A commissioner said, we heard you. You're exhausted with open-air drug use and you're demanding action. And so... Because of public pressure, not because of personal convictions, but because of public pressure, they are admitting, well, that didn't work. And so they have reversed course, but because of the state law that they supported, it's nothing but symbolism because the state law says local municipalities like Portland can't prosecute. Hard drug use. Mm-hmm. Misplaced compassion, unintended consequences. Sad. Hey, folks, this is Friday. Weekend's coming up. Being a good Bible-believing church this weekend. If you don't have one, find one. Make this the weekend that you begin your search. They're all over. So please, be in, be part of a good Bible-believing church. And wherever you go and whatever you do, please remember whose you are. Listen. Listen. Think. Think. Discern. Discern. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 